ABC's a Greek. Oh, the ABC's a Greek. The ABC's a Greek. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the ABCs of Greek. I'm Thomas. I'm Erin. And I'm Jacqueline. And this is a podcast where we recap the ABC Family original series Greek episode by episode. So today we're recapping season two, episode five, Pledge Allegiance. The IMDb summary is, feeling mistreated, the Capitol pledges revolt against the brothers. Evan exploits Calvin's relationship with Michael in an attempt to fix the grade of a brother that's failing. The episode was directed by Gil Junger and written by Patrick Sean Smith and Mike Lack. Nice. So it starts off with this beautiful scenic clip of CRU. It's looking like extremely scenic in this scene. Like, do you see they like zoom in on the flowers? Like, it looks like Midsummer Night's Dream over here. And basically Ashley's giving Casey a tour or like a practice tour because Mm -hmm. she just got this job as tour guide and she's having a hard time remembering like the history behind some of the buildings and she's complaining saying there's like there's so many buildings on this campus but she does say that the one building she does remember is the planetarium where Casey and Max had their first kiss the Cutler planetarium named after um chelsea cutler the singer who i saw at gov ball this year <laughs> and jay cutler Kristen cavallari's ex-husband and some kind of football player <laughs> oh my god yeah he's from some kind colorado. of <laughs> he's from colorado he was like a big deal in colorado i remember people being like oh my god i saw jay cutler at the mall this weekend <laughs> clearly i know him for his most important accomplishment <laughs> yeah <laughs> we that is amazing I forgot that they were married mm-hmm. I saw Jay Cutler wearing army pants and flip-flops so I bought army pants and flip-flops but anyway the planetarium is Cutler planetarium um not that that detail is actually that important but we find out that it's called that and that's when they it leads into this conversation about Casey and Max's first date And Ashley's like, it's kind of funny, but it is a little dark. She's like, well, Max is like different than, you know, Happy and Evan. Like Max is tragic, like tragic's hot. And she's like, well, why is it different than, you know, why was it different than Evan and Cappy? And Casey's like, well, for Evan, it was all about Greek life. And for Cappy, it was all about pie. Did you guys understand the euphemism there? Yeah. Yeah. Episodes a couple episodes ago they when they were like kind of gonna get back together oh yes eat a lot of pie yes yes. yeah I remember that now okay that's what it was I literally was like okay I know I feel like I know what they're talking about but (laughs) there was something I was missing there she says Max has been swimming in the deep end and I've been splashing around in the kiddie pool yeah and that that's like um they use that visual quite a bit like in this first like 10 minutes of this episode like it comes up again again like at this next scene when they're like they're pulling into the zbz lot and franny has parked her mini cooper in casey's spot which is a huge no-no that's what from marty's yard yeah she's back from marty's yard and Ashley says something about the kiddie pool. She's like, she was splashing around your kiddie pool. Basically, 
<laughs> Casey's like, whatever, like, we'll just park down the street and we can just like walk and get some exercise. And by the time she's finished saying that, Ashley's already like out the door. She's like, no, I don't want to do that. No, she's uh, oh, yeah. have fun in the deep end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they keep like, they just keep coming back with that like kiddie pool deep end reference. But oh yeah, and Casey also says like, you can practice walking backwards. <laughs> yeah. So then we're at Capitao. Rusty and Ben Bennett are walking in they have like all these bags like filled with fireworks they have like food orders and they're complaining about the chores that they have to do and that essentially um the other pledges aren't doing the same amount as them and like pickles not answering his phone gonzo's been gone for days they're over it like they're just you know completely fed up and beaver comes running downstairs so excited that his nachos are there he grabs them he runs back upstairs and then the rusty and ben bennett just keep complaining and then before we know it beaver comes back then he is complaining about the cilantro on his nachos he's like i don't like vegetables he says there's cilantro on my toes. <laughs> <laughs> and Rusty, of course, has to correct him and tell him it's an herb. Um, but like, needless to say, if you don't like cilantro, you don't want to eat those nachos. I personally really like cilantro. I don't. But recently it's kind of been growing on me, but only in a way that is like, I think maybe just forced upon me. You don't want them on your toes. No, I don't. And he says to Rusty, he goes, go get a new one, sans herbs, which yeah. <laughs> made me laugh so hard because I would never think Beaver would use a term like sans. I noticed kind of that too. I elevated for him. It felt like he had just learned that or like mm-hmm. that. I feel like he probably does have a very elevated sense of vocabulary. He just chooses not to use it. Yeah, it's in there somewhere. Deep in there. But basically this all just is the catalyst for Rusty and Ben to... They're like, we need to confront the other pledges because we're doing all the work. And of course, Rusty, you know, is just being Rusty and he wants to complain about something. Yeah, he's always on his high horse. Um, And then we're at Dobbler's. It's like a fun like night. Oh, sorry. I forgot to mention earlier too. Ashley, no, Casey's telling Ashley about her next upcoming date with Max. and. She's basically saying like what they're going to do and they're probably going to end the night at Doppler's. I can't remember what they were doing earlier in the night, actually. I think she said just dinner. Yeah, just dinner. And she's like, maybe Doppler's later. So they are at Doppler's now and they're talking about dinner, which was Korean barbecue. Which I thought was very interesting to be in Ohio in 2008. She also says it shouldn't have been so expensive because we had to cook it. He goes and starts to say something, but basically like he can't come up with a joke and he's like, sorry, I'm just like really bad at dating. Wait, also his haircut in this episode, it's bowl cut central. It's so (laughs) bad. It's so bad. They're really trying to make this cute guy ugly. Yeah. Or just simply off-putting. They're giving him the she's all that treatment. Oh, is he going to get hotter later or? No, I actually think he might stay nerdy. I don't really remember. But, you know, in the beginning when they try and she's all that where they try to make her so ugly. And it's like this girl just has glasses. I've never seen it. 
I've never seen it either, but I, my roommate was watching the Addison Ray version and I like saw oh a little bit of it. Oh, right. <laughs> Don't watch that version. Because wasn't the Addison Ray was the original version, right? Are you serious? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, Freddie Prince Jr., Paul Walker, ring a bell. Courtney Kardashian. Because she's in the Addison Rae version. <laughs> yes, she is. But yes, his haircut is bad, but I actually thought it looked better here than it had in the past. There was something <laughs> about the way his bangs were just like straight across and sort of cupped under. <laughs> they I were, like, really was having in. a hard time with it. Yeah, they like in curled it inward. I like, bet they use one of those tiny, tiny, like one of those tiny brushes to like with yeah. the hair dryer. A teeny tiny curler. Yeah. So Max, like he can't, he can't flirt as well as Casey. Like she comes in with that great little joke about how expensive dinner was. And he just like, doesn't really know how to respond. And Casey's like, and he even admits to her, he's like, I just haven't really been on a date since Sarah died. And Casey's like, she's like trying to make it less awkward. She's like, why don't we like, do you want to talk about her? And of course he's like, sure. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't think this is a good idea. Yeah, rookie mistake. Never talk about the dead girlfriend. Yeah, um, yeah, that like, it's just a little, it's just not the right setting. Um, yeah. But basically he starts talking about her and how, you know, she was essentially this amazing person who wanted to join the Peace Corps and, um really like gets into depth about like how lovely she was and how wonderful she was. And you can tell Casey's like feeling a bit, um, you know, subpar comparatively. And I think she's like kind of spiraling internally and thinking like, well, that's definitely not who I am. Mm -hmm. She also starts saying like, she talks a little bit about like, once he kind of finishes, she starts bringing up the parking spot thing. And then she kind of cuts herself off and she's like, no, you know what? Like, it's not even worth it. Like my problems don't. Yeah. Which it's like, that's lame. Yeah. I know. It's like her parking spot issue is real. Like it's definitely not as dramatic, but. Well, yeah. it's college level issues. Also the way that Casey is like equating Max being deep because he's endured some kind of like horrible personal trauma like, that doesn't necessarily mean that this guy, like, only wants to talk about, like, these, quote, deep subjects. Like, he's also a college student. Yeah, but he worked for NASA. Yeah. So he still haven't addressed his caginess about. And his oh dad. I, I, I still don't know what to think about that. Jacqueline, you're being very coy about it. I actually really don't remember what happened. <laughs> Okay, sure. <laughs> I am dying to find out. Just kidding. That's what Casey said. Like <laughs> next, she goes, she's dying. She's like, I'm, why don't we get a drink? Um, I'm dying of thirst. And then she's immediately like, oh my God, I said dying. Well, first she goes, um, why don't we get a drink? I'm dying. And then she goes, of thirst, of thirst. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> oh. It's also just like to feel like you have to tiptoe. Also, I feel like he wouldn't want her to feel like that. No, that's so uncomfortable. You can, it's so uncomfortable when you can tell someone's doing that around you. So then we cut to this really fancy restaurant that we've never been before. Fanciest restaurant in town, actually. You know what it reminded me of at first? 
campus. Oh no, what? <laughs> it's like, is this on campus? Is it the Crimson Lion? <laughs> Crimson Lion. What is that? It was supposed to be like a fancy restaurant on our campus, but it was still Sodexo run. No. And they just basically gave you bread and like there was white tablecloths and it was really, it, it, it was the exact experience of like going to a, a medium high tier retirement home and eating dinner in the dining room. Oh. Yeah. That is a perfect description of what it was like to eat there. Thank you. And they give you like, yeah, they came around and gave you like iced water and like those glasses that again, look like a retirement home glass. And the waiters dress the same too, like (laughs) nice, like button ups, but very begrudgingly serving the patrons. Yeah. (laughs) It was the only place that like, yeah, I guess you used your meal points and it was like served or whatever, but yeah, you could use your meal plan, right? Yeah, you could use your plan because I had so much freshman year and I didn't know what to do. So I was like, I couldn't want to go with the Crimson Lion. My treat. <laughs> I wish I had been closer to you that year. I, but I only for that reason. I hated eating there. I would have brought you. Even if I didn't know you, I would have brought anyone I needed to get rid of those points. Oh, sad. Oh, my God. But- this but it looked like that for a second. It has I know, big glasses. It, 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 it. <laughs> but yeah. there was no $400 bottles of wine yeah. on the Crimson Lion menu. Like, Was there alcohol there? Honestly, there might have been. I mean, I never went again after freshman year, but there could have been. Because it was a wet campus, so I would assume. But the outdated decor is what got me. Like, that place, like, yes, it's really fancy, but it's, like, it looks so old inside it's the outdated decor for me it's the polyester booths for me (laughs) yeah it's even just hearing the word sodexo makes me kind of nauseous oh yeah I got to school and I was like what is wrong with me like why am I suddenly ill and then I stopped eating the campus food and I was like oh I was better off eating like processed food from the grocery store (laughs) Yeah. yeah same I was better off just eating um cliff bars <laughs> like- literally oh so many cliff bars <laughs> or like I bought which ended up being a pyramid scheme I'm pretty sure <laughs> don't quote me on that but I wasn't able to cancel them and they were sending me boxes and boxes <laughs> literally a box like the size of a body and they were <laughs> these, these puffed rice bars and my friend had to help me carry the box across campus that's how big this was <laughs> of bars was and it was all the way it was all the way at the other side of the campus because it was freshman year and the dorms were all the way at the top of campus and they kept sending them and I had to cancel that credit card oh my god (laughs) I stopped getting shipments of I haven't had one since I don't even think I don't even think they exist I've never heard of it I remember those I think I remember having one Anyway, anyway, so we're at a Crimson Lion like restaurant and it's fancy and Max and oh, sorry, not Max, Michael and Calvin are kind of like, they're kind of like, um, they're being awkward about it because Michael, I think is nervous that he's going to have to pay for it. He's, he's saying something about like, 
make sure you say tap water or like they'll charge you for more or something. Yeah, order the side salad. Yay, saying order the side salad. All the things you want to hear from your boyfriend who you're going on a date with. (laughs) I know. And at this point, I thought that they were just going out one-on-one. It's like, just pick a place that you can enjoy. Go to Chili's, get the tomatoes. (laughs) It also sounds like after, after Calvin says, no, it's fine. Remember Evan's paying or something? Like, it sounds like they've had this conversation. Oh, I didn't hear yeah. him say that. Yeah. It he said, also, like, Evan said his treat. Remember, like, it's fine. And it's like, obviously, yeah. you're going to dinner with like a billionaire son. Also, didn't it look like they were kind of sneaking in? Yeah. They were like looking in the window at first and like being just really weird. I don't know. Michael. Rising up the joint. Michael has terrible vibes. All right. I'm okay with the vibes. <laughs> I'm, I'm out on Michael. <laughs> Audi, Audi. Audi. <laughs> and with that, I'm Audi. <laughs> um. So yeah, they were late, and it's because Michael was finishing his dissertation just casually. Of course, that night. So cursed when it's revealed that Franny and Evan are at the table. A double date with Franny. I know. And they're like, they're, they look so refreshed after Martha's. Like, they're just like chilling. Like, they also look so in their element there. Yeah. She loves that he's a Chambers. Franny is at home on that, like, at that white tablecloth restaurant. Like, she's just so casual. I've never seen her look so casual, not in her outfit choice, but in her demeanor. Right. Yeah. She's very much at ease. When she's around luxury. I yeah. get that. <laughs> I, I bet you felt that at the Crimson Lion, Jacqueline. Mm. I did. <laughs> you were treating all of your friends. <laughs> this one's on me, you guys. <laughs> you were the Evan Chambers that night. Um, so yeah, basically Michael's just kind of like, you know, being complaining about like how difficult it is for professors and kind of like, you know, talking about the teaching market. And Calvin's like, you'll get a job because like, you're a really hard teacher. And then they mentioned that, and this is an important fact for later in the episode, but O'Toole, who is one of the Omega Chi's, has had to retake Michael's class three times. Um, And then Evan's like, and I got a B minus, which was my lowest grade. Yeah, they're like equating with like, they're equating how hard the class is with how good of a professor Michael is. And I would argue it almost means the exact opposite. I agree. I don't think being hard is like being like difficult is a, in, in, is an indicator of being a good professor at all. Right. People like failing your class or like not getting the grades they typically get to me says like, you're not conveying the information accurately. Yeah. Or like understandably. Is that why you don't like him? yeah no no I don't know he just seems super pompous to me and I just feel like he's like very condescending yeah Yeah. he he's giving male Scorpio he's very condescending for a person that has to date a 19 year old when they're already out of college and now looking yeah that's true also I I just want to clear things up Jacqueline and I are both Scorpios that wasn't Scorpio slander he's just giving male Scorpio Mm. 
Yeah, thanks for clarifying. Facts are facts. <laughs> yeah, like if this was rape my professors, we would definitely be giving him a red hot chili pepper, but maybe like <laughs> a, a scorpion. Two- yeah, I a was scorpion. just going to say, while he would be getting the chili pepper, he would only be getting one star from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he also seems like the kind of professor who would just like, give you the information sort of kind of expect you to learn it on your own and then give you a really difficult test and then like make sure you fail right or just not help you out like if you were like asking for additional you know assistance I don't know making a lot of assumptions about Michael but clearly we're really giving him I think more more depth probably than his character actually ever gets fanfic Evan then has this kind of weird line which makes me really uncomfortable for some reason but he says, if money was no object, like what French wine would you order? And then Michael, like the look in his eyes, like he gets like so excited and he knows exactly what to order. And it's just like so cringy the way he like says it in French. Like, I don't know why it was just like my skin was crawling in this moment. Oh my God, you guys hate him. <laughs> we hate him. We hate him. We do hate him. (laughs) Thomas has just discovered he hate him. He hated that moment. (laughs) I don't know. I just I I feel like he doesn't. He hasn't earned the right to be this arrogant. Yeah, it's well. I think what's what's I don't know. What I don't like about it is that he went from telling Calvin to order the side salad to being like, okay, now I have permission to like get the most expensive wine, and I'm like. You're older than all of them. I don't know. I don't have a problem with this scene. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I, if I were a billionaire son and I told somebody to pick out what they would actually want if money didn't matter, I would want them to pick out what they would actually want, especially if they're like well-versed in the wine. And like, I would be happy that they were excited about it. I feel like he's being appropriate. Oh, I agree with like, like everything up until I his reaction was appropriate I think like I totally get it like him wanting to pick out the wine I just I'm at the point with Michael where every little thing he does bothers me so when he's gleefully saying the name of the wine I was like yeah it felt like Schmidt no (laughs) I like Schmidt (laughs) I don't think it felt like I like Schmidt too Maybe this is all just, maybe this is a, what is it, prequel to New Girl. Hmm. It's actually just Schmidt. Like, this was him before. It is. It could be. But this really just, yeah, this solidifies. Michael is team Evan. He is not team Cappy. I don't even know if he knows Cappy. No. Well, I'm sure Cappy was a French major at one point. I'm sure. And I'm sure, yeah, he probably failed out as well. I feel like he randomly gets like A's in every like subject he tries. Cappy? Yeah. Don't you feel like he's like really smart? No. Oh. I don't know. I think he skates by. Oh, you think he skates by? I see where you would might be thinking that though, because... I'm not going to lie. I know that the Rusty theory in the last episode was like totally, it was totally not accurate, but I did have a moment where they were looking at the grades of Joshua Whopper. And Mm -hmm. I did have a a moment where I was like, maybe these are Cappy's grades and he's just embarrassed that he's so smart. Here's my theory on Cappy's academics. 
I think that he is naturally smart and I think he gets B's in every class and has never studied before. I would mm. co-sign that, the B's. I think you're right. He probably, I don't think he studies all, but I think he does fine. I think he does better than like a C average. Yeah. I think. He gets a B without cracking the textbook. Totally. 100%. I would so maybe Michael's class actually would be perfect for him. I feel like he would get a better grade than Evan without trying. For sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So or like the same grade. Or the same exact. And Evan would be mad. Oh my God. And he would call him Bing. Or no, Cappy would call Evan Bing. Oh my God. Remember those kids in school who would be like, oh, I did so poorly. What did you get? And I'd be like, oh, I got like an 85. And they'd be like, that's good and then they would have a 94 and I'd be like you yeah you're expelled in the words of Jamie Lee Curtis trauma trauma (laughs) PTSD the trauma I know I remember I remember someone I was friends with in high school once saying like I wish I was graded and like a more difficult uh scale (laughs) than everyone else (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of a baller move to say that <laughs> like, out loud honestly it kind of is yeah like it was com- it was said completely seriously like almost in the sense that like if if we got the same grade like it didn't mean the same thing because like it's they're graded like more difficultly than or they should be degraded more I don't even know what the what was going on there but yeah so that scene ends and basically the moral of the story is that Evan's super rich Michael likes that and Calvin's and uncomfortable. Calvin's uncomfy. And this isn't, we we have a sense that this scene happened for a reason. This isn't the end of this. So the pledges of Kappa Tower having this like unofficial meeting and it's being hosted by Ben Bennett and Rusty, I would say as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Gonzo's not there. Well, I know. Ben Bennett is like their pledge class president. Oh, that's right. I forgot he was like the the representative. I think Rusty is like, oh, okay, I'm going to back you up in this meeting. But yeah, he's like kind of letting Ben take the reins. And, you know, they're kind of just talking about how some of the other pledges aren't pulling their weight. But they, there's like these two new pledges who kind of speak up. I don't, they they may have been in earlier episodes. I just did not recognize I've them. I've never seen these people before. Yeah, I don't know them. I think they were new. Yeah. And then while they're saying this or like the other guys start speaking up and they're like, well, I've done this. I've done this. Like they're really bizarre things to like greasing someone's hair. Oh, Jeremy's hair. Yeah. Oil. And somebody keeps whispering Judas. Yeah. And you don't really know where it's coming from. Like for a second, I thought one of the pledges was saying it. And Rusty's like, who keeps saying Judas? We never, I don't think we find out. It's Cappy. He walks in the room. He's he's yelling it as he walks in the room with Wade. So oh. I, th- I think what happened was Wade and Cappy were in the basement this whole time. Oh. Listening in. And Cappy was saying Judas to them. But I, I understand your confusion though, because it wasn't made super clear. Basically, they Wade and Cappy come in. They're like, no, this is time for us to celebrate your hard work. And the pledges are getting like amped up. Um, and they're like a little confused. And uh, Cappy says it's time for the old folks home, which is like some sort of pledge, active pledge and active bonding activity. And 
the pledges are getting really excited. He's like, grab your sleeping bags, y'all. Um, and get ready to party. He's like, old folks home it is. <laughs> what is it about college students using the term old folks home? It's reminding me of when we were in our sorority for a few years, we would go to a retirement home and until we weren't allowed to go back because one of the residents was let into like the street by one of our sorority sisters. Um, I think she ended up being fine, but I don't know, but we were not allowed to go back, but somebody in our chapter meeting one time was calling it the old folks home. Interesting. I don't think I've ever used that term. You can beep this name out, but it was. (laughs) Maybe it's a Southern thing. It does sound a little Southern. She doesn't even have a Southern accent. I don't know. Maybe I've never heard that term. Old folks home. Yeah it's it's weird and they actually I think Rusty even says is that a philanthropy when he says it at first oh yeah well and they're like asking them about the weekend and they're like it's a huge party and like we watch movies and we get drunk and all this stuff and then and we stay locked in the house like that's a big part of it and Rusty is like oh like shouldn't Rusty says shouldn't we invite girls like, wouldn't oh it be better with girls? Rusty says that. Yeah, Rusty says that. And I blocked that out. <laughs> they say it's like, it's the weekend isn't supposed to be about that. It's supposed to be about this pledge active bonding. So that's why there aren't any girls and they all stay inside the house and whatever. Yeah. And we're all a little confused, including the pledges about what exactly is going to be happening. I feel like because they're hyping up so much how this is about bonding, like you already know it's just going to be awful for them, whatever it is. Yeah, it's not going to end well. (laughs) So then Casey walks into the ZBZ kitchen. It smells like s'mores and she sees these like plates of s'mores everywhere. And you know, Franny's kind of at the center of the kitchen, like looking really, really, you know, she's definitely queen bee at the moment. She's like organized this like some more making party with all the different pledges. And Casey's kind of like, wait, what's going on? And that's when Franny explains that like, oh, Casey, it seems like you've been really overwhelmed, like with being pledge educator and the interim president. So I was thinking that maybe like I could take some of that off of your, you know, your workload and like become the pledge educator instead. And Casey's kind of like, well, I don't know, like if the pledges would be okay with that. And then the pledges are all like, oh, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Rebecca walks in and is like, doesn't bother me or whatever she says. Yeah. And um, so Casey's like, okay, that's fine. But she senses something is up. Basically, it's kind of just seems like Franny is trying to, you know, win the pledges over in some way, but we're not really sure why. We just know it's suspicious. Yeah, it's weird because it's it's very like, it's clear that something is up. And then Casey, it, she's making Casey also seem like she's not really being focused on the sorority because Casey is trying to pursue this relationship. And she's not right in the house as much. Yeah. And we also know something's up because when we saw her last, Evan was saying that she should stop playing nice. You're right. You're she right. Playing so nice. She was being way too nice before. Yeah, she was being really sweet. 
like <laughs> so crazy how sweet she was being eating her little's ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. a kind soul yeah yeah so <laughs> ashley is still practicing her tour guide responsibilities like on campus and casey tells her about like how bad her first date was with max once again she talks about how she just wants to focus on swimming in the deep end and she's like i'm going to do that tonight we're gonna go to shakespeare in the park which is funny because we used to talk about shakespeare in the park so much on the pod oh my god and we went spoiler and we went and so they also do yeah jacqueline went too (laughs) jacqueline speak up I did go. Your I eyes did. are screaming out. It's really important <laughs> that everyone knows that we all went to Shakespeare in the Park this year. But what's most important is I went twice. <laughs> exactly. You are the most. You are the most Shakespearean. I. Of the group. People are literally always telling me that. <laughs> Could have been like that girl that played Caesar in this one. Oh, oh yeah, man. she was blonde. She was a blonde. True. So yeah, we find out there is a theater department at CRU and they're doing Shakespeare in the park. And then that's at the very end of the scene. Ashley's like, wait, where are we? Cause they were kind of just like strolling. And then she's like, oh gosh, like I'm lost. Like my one, the one thing I need to know is this campus. And I, I can't do that. She really struggles. Yeah. Does this look like UCLA to you? It kind of looked like it to I me. I thought it was USC. Oh, interesting. I've never been to USC. Yeah, I think I think a lot of this episode was filmed at USC. Yeah, it looked really nice. Like it looked almost like different than what we've seen before. Cool. So back to Capital. Sweet. <laughs> cool. Anyway, <laughs> so the pledges show up to Capital. They're like expecting a party or something. They're all holding their sleeping bags like they're in freaking Boy Scouts or something. And <laughs> Then they all get assigned chores and they're like, what? And Cappy's like, basically this is meant for you to observe what it's like to be an active in the house. Um, But for now you have to know your place. Like you have to do these chores. And I think he locks them in. Yeah. So they, he like puts a um, piece of wood up on the door and nails it in. Yeah, and they're you know. basically, this goes beyond chores too. They're like <laughs> using Rusty as a human remote control for the TV. People And are human like, ottomans, they went full succession. <laughs> yeah, human ottomans, human cup holders. Tom, um, Tom was a capital. Oh, Tom was a capital. Tom Womscan. <laughs> oh my God, wait, do they do that? They have human ottomans in succession? He does it to Greg, cousin Greg. Oh my God, that's so funny. They probably got that idea from Greek. I think Greg kind of does have rusty energy, low-key. Well, Alan Ruck probably told them since he was on the set of both. I bet. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I really think that Succession pretty much copied Greek, it seems. No, I think so too. That the power, you know? I mean, the Chamber's International, same idea. But yeah, so Rusty's not happy. Cappy asks him to go make him a Chicago style hot dog. Yeah, and Pickles pushing Cappy around. Like it's it's really, really bizarre. This whole this whole scene is just very odd. And Rusty goes up to Ben and Rusty has 
Like you can tell a plan has kind of hatched in his mind. And he's like, come help me with the hot dogs. And Ben's like, no, like I'm busy. I don't remember. What is Ben doing again? He, he's making creme brulee. He has a blowtorch. And, yeah, yes. and he's like, it's a very fine line between me making his creme brulee correctly and burning myself. Yes. And then Rusty just repeats again. He's like, no, come help me with the hot dogs. He goes to help him with the hot dogs, whatever that means. And we're but about clearly, to clearly, yeah, clearly they're going to hatch some kind of plan. Like okay. they're, they're so annoyed that they've been hoodwinked into this like fake bonding night. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I would be so annoyed too. This looks awful. Also, this episode really highlights what it's like to be a pledge in a sorority versus a pledge in a fraternity. And I remember this so well, like we were getting taken out to frozen yogurt dates, dinner dates, like having- We were being courted. We were being courted and the guys Mm. were in a living hell. Yeah. They were leaving us little surprise treats. Yeah, I would imagine you were in a, you were, I would imagine it was more of like, anytime there were hellish moments for the sororities, they were like passive aggressive hell. Whereas like, it seems like more aggressive in the frats. Oh yeah. Passive aggressive and occasional. Like these guys are just in constant torment for months. Like what seems like years for the Capitals. <laughs> yeah, this, I would have never wanted to be a frat. I would have wanted to do sorority. Like it just seems more yeah. fun. But this episode, like not to get too ahead, but like, Literally, they're having a night of massages and gelato, and the guys having a night of being a human ottoman, and then like psychological warfare. Yeah, that's what it was psychological warfare with the treks and stuff. So, really highlights the difference. Totally. So, Calvin and Michael are like walking through campus, and they kind of start to debrief on the dinner. And Calvin is just very skeptical about the whole Evan just inherited millions of dollars thing, and like. He's saying he, so he feels like something was weird at the dinner. He just feels like something was off. And that's when we find out that they drink three bottles of wine. And Calvin asks Michael, like, he's like, oh, how much was that wine, by the way? And it was $400 a bottle. They drink three $400 bottles of wine. And Michael says, like, it must have been magic wine because I'm not even hungover. Uh, I want some. Take- yeah, that to me was where I was like, is that true? Like, is it the better the wine, like the less the hangover? Yeah. Wow. For sure. I mean, to an extent, like, I don't think I could drink three bottles of any red wine or <laughs> wine in general and be fine. Yeah. Unlimited uh, wine for me is not actually the move. <laughs> yeah, it would still definitely be a rough um, next day. But uh, Michael is just basically telling Calvin like don't worry about it like for kids for guys like Evan this was nothing and you know don't judge Evan and then uh, Calvin says but can I judge Franny (laughs) I love Calvin like hating Franny it's amazing because technically Calvin has no reason to really dislike Franny like it's not like he's tied into this whole Casey Evan drama he just doesn't like her as a person which I yeah he is just correctly picking up on the rancid vibes (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly um and that's when then my the scene ends with Michael saying I wish that I could lavish you with expensive dinners and Calvin says don't say lavish weird no he's like I I don't care that you're poor I care that you never use terms like lavish again 
<laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah, that was yeah. annoying. It was just like, Michael is just, I just feel like he's that kind of person who would like, he's just so in the scene. He just wants to seem rich, which I think is like a really just not great quality to have, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just think he's like too big for his britches. Yeah. Aaron disagrees. <laughs> I I don't know. I just feel like we're like reading too much into Michelle. Definitely. Isn't that the point <laughs> of this podcast? <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, I just think it's fine. So Casey is late for her deep date with Max for Shakespeare in the park. And she's wearing a really cute outfit. She's getting into her car. She has this like pink halter top on. It crosses in the front. It was super cute. She's already rushing when Franny pulls up behind her in her convertible Mini Cooper. And the car is overflowing with like gift bags. Like she has these like bags full of tissue paper everywhere. And she clearly has the Chamber Amex clearly all paid for by Mr. Evan Chambers himself and Casey or she goes oh perfect you're leaving and Casey's like no I'm not (laughs) immediately she knows that Franny's gonna take her spot and she says I just need to unload some stuff yeah right and we find out that like the gift bags are for the pledges and that they're having a lock-in that night and she's gotten all of this stuff for them. And Casey's just like not buying into it. Again, we know she's trying to curry favor with the pledges, but we're not quite certain as to why. We just know it's weird. And then Casey's like, I'm not taking the car. I was getting a CD out and the car has to be in reverse to eject the CD. And obviously Franny's not buying that either, but she drives away. So Casey has to walk to the date. So then we're back at the KT house and the KTs are making the pledges wrestle each other and wrestle, I think some actives too. And the one pledge who we had seen at the meeting, like really kind of going up against Rusty for saying he didn't do any work. He's talking to Rusty now and he says, "Um, I don't want to fight you, Rusty. I wanted to hit you the other night because you were being annoying. <laughs> but I don't want to fight you like this, not for them. And like, they're just talking like they're, you know, rocky or something. And also can definitely relate to kind of wanting to hit Rusty, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah. We've all um, been there. Yeah. I mean, imagine being his pledge brother. It would be difficult to hear him. Oh my God. I, when we were pledges, I would get annoyed at the littlest, tiny, most benign things some of the girls would say when they were just taking it too seriously. If there was somebody at rusty level. Well, you know how like you would always be in a meeting as a pledge and then like someone would raise their hand and you're about to be out and they'd make this long speech about sisterhood or something. And you're like, I just want to leave. Like, I want to go home. I'm so tired. We were that is done. yeah that is rusty every single time so I oh, cannot even imagine oh my gosh I could feel even just you saying that like that level of frustration when you want to leave somewhere but like they're making you stay it's like, so upsetting one person thinks what they have to say is so important that everyone's gonna have to sit there for it rusty is says to the guy 
you don't have to worry about it. Ben Bennett is getting everything ready. Like basically saying that they're not going to have to fight, that the plan is happening. And that's when Cappy comes up and grabs Rusty and says to rub grease all over his body. So he'll slip right out from under the person he's supposed to be wrestling. Because mm-hmm. he has bet money on Rusty winning. So he's a losing bet. Yeah. Why would you do that? And then that's when Ben comes running in and he's like, smoke is all behind him. And you see him pressing on this megaphone that Beaver had had earlier. And it's making this sound that sounds like a smoke alarm. And so he's yelling fire and everyone runs out. And we see that it's actually just the actives that run out of the house. And once they're out there, Beaver goes running to the door because he thinks the pledges are locked inside. And yeah, he's sad. And Cappy says, thank God for the fire alarms. Wait, we don't have working fire alarms. And that's how he realizes that the pledges have pulled one over on them. And yeah, Beaver at first like thinks that the pledges are burning alive, he says. He's so, he's like panicked. I know, I know. And no one else is, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be worried. Like I would, I would be equally as worried as Beaver because I could also see that house just going up in flames so fast. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a fire hazard. So right as everybody realizes that the pledges have actually walked them out, they look in the window and with their newfound power, they've all decided to just moon the actives. I hate that. (laughs) I know. I, it's like. Except for Rusty, who didn't pull his underwear down. You're using this time again, not to like barricade the doors or whatever, but to moon them. Uh, boys. I have to say about this plan, it's not good. I'm at a loss for words. I'm at a loss here. Yeah, there really is no plan. It's just get them out of the house. Like, they don't seem to think any further than that. Yeah, now you're stuck in the house. Yeah. You're stuck in that house. If anything, lock (laughs) them in and leave. But also, it's funny at this point when Cappy realizes that they were pranked, he says... It must have been all the alcohol. I hear it can impair your judgment. So then we see Max sitting at Shakespeare night and he's all alone, clearly waiting for Casey when a drenched Casey comes from the woods and she goes, I'm so sorry. I had to walk. And he says, is that sweat? Yeah. At first, that's what I thought too. I was like, he's sweating. And she says that it's, she's like, no, I tried to cut through the Dean's, like, I guess the Dean lives on campus there, the Dean's estate or something. And the um, sprinklers went off. And so she gets absolutely drenched and she couldn't call because her phone broke. (laughs) They're trying to watch this play and she's sopping wet. And And the play is bad. The play is so bad. Brutus is wearing a Bluetooth headset. (laughs) Yeah, Max, it's funny. He says, if you need to make a call, Brutus is wearing a Bluetooth headset for some reason, which is like legit. It was legitimately a funny, like sarcastic comment. It was, yeah, you get the sense like with that. And then I think a few other things that Max says in this episode that he actually does have a sense of humor, which I like. Yeah. And he's like more normal. Like at that point, I was like, okay, I'm starting to overlook the bowl haircut. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't notice his hair as much in this scene, but I guess it was like Casey's appearance kind of trumped whatever was happening. I feel like he gets yeah. like progressively hotter throughout the episode. Like yeah. his personality, his vibe. His vibe is definitely getting better. Um, Casey's is deteriorating rapidly. Like she's just losing it. You know, some mm-hmm. she's pulling at a thread right as Brutus is stabbing Caesar in the back is when Casey has like a realization. I think she says that bitch. Like she realizes in that moment why Franny is trying to win over the pledges. And so before we can even find out what her realization is, we're back at the KT house where the pledges have barricaded themselves in the house. But she leaves right then and there. Oh yeah, sorry. She flees. And it's insane. She's like, I have to, sorry, like I have to go do this. Like, is this an actionable item right now? And knowing what she does, it's not. Yeah. It's not that urgent. The only reason I can think that she would have thought that is because the lock-in is happening at that moment. I know, but it's not like you couldn't have salvaged what was happening at a later date. She was, she was on the date for approximately three minutes. <laughs> I know, and she was already late. And she gives, she doesn't want to give him any explanation either because I feel like she thinks what she's doing is so trivial, which, I mean, it is, but yeah. you also can't just, like, leave like that. Casey pulled a max. <laughs> yeah, I mean, did he do it to her multiple times? Yes. <laughs> now it's an official date, too. It's, like, before, at least he was just being weird. I know. She should have, like, actual plans. She should have been like, come with me. To the Emerald City. That's exactly what I was going to say next. Given more background, but yeah, she just <laughs> runs. She runs back into the woods, basically. Um, I also love how you said she came from the woods. Like, I, I did not envision her coming from the woods, but like, I love that that's where you saw her coming from. Or like shrubbery or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, so we're back at the KT house as Casey runs away. And... The pledges are barricading themselves in the house. They're going around trying to lock up all the places that someone could get in, which this house has a lot of because I feel like all the windows are broken and stuff. (laughs) They're like trying to push things in front of it and keep the the actives from getting inside. And once they feel like they've gotten everything, they try to celebrate because they don't hear anything. Oh my God. That's when Ben Bennett like tries to dance. Yeah, he's like, I guess it's time to dance it out. Oof. And then it just ends. Mm-hmm. Rough scene for Ben Bennett there. He got a little too vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, it was like, uh, it was just, it was vulnerable. That's a good word for it. The bad kind. Oh my gosh, wait. And I, this, <laughs> I don't know why I made this connection right now. I think I was supposed to mention this earlier in the episode, but you know how in earlier in the episode, Casey tells Ashley, like, you don't actually become yourself until the ninth date. Yeah. Ben Bennett became himself way before the ninth date here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I think as Casey's leaving her date, she says, I'll let you know what I'm doing on the ninth date. Yeah, she does. <laughs> yeah, that and the deep end reference really weave themselves through this episode. The entire uh, episode. So then we're back to Casey and she's telling Ashley Franny's evil plan. Basically, she has figured out Franny is trying to get the pledges vote. And Ashley is like, well, she can't run for president again. She's lost her position. 
And Casey says, yes, but she wants them to vote for some proxy, basically. Ashley says she did invite all of the officers to the lock-in. So we realized that like Franny wants a puppet um, candidate and she'll be pulling the strings. She makes a comment where she's like, um, once I win the presidency, I can dive back into the deep end with Max. Yeah. Um, but like for now, she like, Casey, you are multifaceted. This is, you can date somebody at the same time that you're running for sorority president. She's sure. She's Especially someone who's a borderline recluse. <laughs> right. He says he only leaves his apartment for her. So yeah. I feel like if he can work around her schedule. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. She is like, I'm going to put this on the back burner. I have too much campaigning to do. <laughs> yeah. Like, so girl, she is all over the place this episode. Like, She's really losing it this episode. She's really losing it. Michael is grading papers and... Evan walks in and Michael is like, oh, perfect. So glad you're here. I can give you your thank you note in person. Handwritten. Yeah. Jacqueline, you love that. I do love that. That that won me over a little bit. I won't lie. And that's when Evan casually lets it slip that his mom is on the board at Princeton. And he can she can totally put a word in to get Michael a job. Michael's like, well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. And as as Evan's like walking away, he's like, oh, and uh, by the way, O'Toole, he keeps failing the class. We're trying to figure out how to get him to pass. Doesn't seem like he's going to this semester either. Maybe you could help him out. And Michael's like, tutor him? Sure. (laughs) I think he needs more than a tutor. He's taking it pass fail. All you have to do is pass him. And I think it ends on him saying something along the lines of like, oh, it's your future or something like that to Michael. So it's very clear this is an ultimatum. Like it's very clear that if Michael passes O'Toole, he will get the interview. But if he doesn't, he doesn't get the interview. Michael is left with a very big decision to make, which he never really makes. It just kind of seems like it's made for him. Well, I think the implication, oh, I guess not. It seems like it's made for him and he doesn't object. Evan is driving the car here. Evan has the power. He's gone full CEO. Like he is just. Full succession, Evan. He really has. He's nearly got to him. Yeah. He's moved out of his reputation era and he is in his Kendall Roy era. Yes, he really is. Back at the ZBZ house, Casey is in the lockdown and she tells Franny that she left her date early because she couldn't stop thinking about us. And <laughs> Franny says, oh, I'm, I know some girls are into experimenting in college, but I'm not really interested in that, Casey. Yeah, that was like, I like guffawed when she was in that. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. She's really going for like the low hanging fruit in the, in the back half of this episode. She like really crosses some interesting lines which we'll get to the most oof and Casey's like uh yeah not really what I'm talking about um and she's basically saying like they should kind of mend their friendship and she's calling for a truce and Franny says friends close enemies closer poodle (gasps) poodle and then she rebuffs her handshake and walks away 
from her poodle. Yeah, she says, I taught, I was your teacher or something like that. It's. I taught you everything you yeah. knew, poodle, or something like that. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what it says. I just love every variation of that. I just can't poodle. believe we got a poodle drop again. Poodle. Poodle watch. And then Franny saunters away and starts announcing the festivities for the night. But as she's doing it, there's a knock at the door. And we find out that Casey has arranged for everybody to have gelato. And a man wheels in a gelato cart. Like a hot man. Yeah, a hot man. And her name's Laura, right? Yeah. Yeah. Laura says, officers, first sluts. And goes... (laughs) It goes right for the guy serving the gelato. I know. Like, she's quickly becoming one of my favorite characters. I can't believe they said sluts on ABC Family in 2008. Yeah, and I guess they said bitch earlier, too. They said sluts, but they had to change the word sex to a euphemism called eating pie. Guess so. Meanwhile, Secret Life of the American Teenager. Yeah. My dad died because I had great sex. <laughs> oh my god yeah. and that's when Casey walks up to Franny and is like you also taught me always to have a plan B she <laughs> says I'm part poodle and part pit bull um also how do you guys think that Casey had this gelato guy like on speed dial or something like <laughs> hey like can you get to this house in 15 minutes this I thought is they put <laughs> So I feel like they like charged like Ashley's card. I feel like she was like, Ashley, I get some emergency. Like credit union, credit plus, charge card. But also just like on such short notice. Yeah. Ashley says something funny here too. I can't remember exactly what it is because I think Franny was suggesting uh, collaging or something. She's like, well, collaging is fun, Franny, but like gelato is so much better. (laughs) She's not wrong. I know. I it gelato was, wow clashing. Uh, it's making me crave gelato. Same. Should we go live on TikTok while we eat gelato and clash? And ASMR the gelato eating. Oh my god! And not even talk about Greek at all and confuse people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Back at the KT house, the pledges are all like congratulating themselves on how well their prank went, um, but then the power goes out. And they're trying to pretend like maybe it's somebody didn't pay the power bill or like something weird, but like clearly it's the actives, guys. This is no coincidence. And one of the pledges, Arrowhead, is losing it. He just goes full Menti B like the rest of this episode. He can't handle the pressure. And then there are also like headlights pointed at the house suddenly lighting up the entire house and like they hear engines revving and they think they're going to get run over. And then they start blasting yodeling music from the car and Rusty declares it psychological warfare. And they look outside and all the actors are standing there and they're just completely still like looking onto the house. And it's certainly ominous. Um, And Rusty suggests to the pledges that they should arrange amnesty. And he says a settlement without additional punishment. And then he's saying, so this is an interesting part. He says they need their dues because if they lose the pledges, 
they will also lose the house and it'll be harder for them to get pledges in the fall. This is where we're realizing, are they like threatening to quit because of this old folks home Sunday night? Like I didn't even understand that the stakes were that high. Like you have been pledging this frat for a year and you've been doing so much and you're like, what at this point, three, four weeks out from being actives. And you are like, I didn't think that those were the stakes until he said that. Yeah, that was really weird. I was thinking too, maybe they would be like the, they wouldn't become actives or something, or they'd be punished for this in some way. Yeah. I just, oh, oh, I see what you mean. Like maybe and they were scared of that and they're like, oh no, but like, they won't kick us out because like they need the money. Both are interesting. I think they're just trying to find like any let. I mean, obviously they are, but I think they their leverage is we won't. We'll just all drop. But yeah. if what? If if they, I think. Oh yeah, I guess maybe. Oh, I think maybe agreeing to not like haze them that hard or like to just not do this old never, folks home anymore. Just to end, it literally seems like ending old folks home night. Like that's what it, the stakes. Yeah, are. what is the stakes? You're right. I, I think, think those are the stakes. That. I think you're right. I think that's pretty much it. Is they're like we just want this activity to end, and I guess maybe the chores <laughs> that. I just don't want to play anymore. I just don't, I just don't feel like playing right now. Okay. I'm just going to take my ball and go home if that's okay. I'm just not having fun right now. Stop. That's that's the vibe. (laughs) That's the energy. It's like, we just don't want to play anymore. Yeah. But I also, I'm tired. I had initially thought that it was maybe like to not haze them as hard, but you're right. That doesn't make any sense. And that's definitely not how the episode ends. Right. Well, they don't know that, but yeah. But like, And because they're happy with just that night being over. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. there. And then as like that scene is ending, you see Cappy and all the guys outside, like against their cars and a group of like random other guys in different frats walk by and they go problem with the pledges and Cappy goes, yeah. So this is clearly like happening across CRU's campus. Like the pledges. They make them pledge so long. Yeah, they're starting to revolt. Like, I would too. I'd be over it. I know. Whole year of pledging. That's crazy. I thought it only lasted a semester. Meanwhile, at ZBZ, the actives are fighting over who can spoil them more. I want to be a ZBZ pledge. I want gelato. I want the hot guy serving gelato. I want Franny to make me some mores and tell me I'm beautiful. That sounds like, honestly, one of our sorority recruitment songs. So at the ZBZ house, Casey approaches Rebecca and she's like suddenly taking an interest in her breakup with Cappy. And she says, she's sorry what happens. Um, and Rebecca says she knows campaigning when she sees it, which like, yeah, Casey, play it cool for at least the first evening that you've chosen to try and obviously win over the pledges. And then Casey's saying, if the pledges are a swing state, you are their popular governor and she wants her vote. And Rebecca's like playing along. Like she's definitely intrigued. She likes this game. Um, And she says that she does appreciate what she did with Tegan with helping her stay in ZBZ. 
And then Casey says, for what it's worth, I know how hard it is to get over Kathy. So they have this like nice little moment of acknowledgement. And then what a, a ZBZ pledge I've never seen before, who's suddenly also very like active in this episode. Like vocal. Yeah. Walks up to Rebecca and she was like, what was that about? And um, she's basically says like, personally, she and Casey are cool, but politically, like it's fair game. Like they're two separate things. And it's very much like her approach with Cappy saying like, you're fun and I'm keeping my family stuff out of our fun time and like compartmentalizing. And then as that conversation is happening, Brandy announces that her wonderful boyfriend arranged for all of them to have massages. And even Ashley is excited. She's like, yeah, I'm for sure getting in on this. It's And that, I mean, that's a great surprise. It's like a hundred bucks. Oh my God. I would love a massage. I really need to get one. Wait, we should go. There's a place up here that I love. Come with me. It's $55 for 60 minutes. Oh my God. That's a really good deal. And it's the best massage I've ever had. Okay. I will definitely do that. Okay, let's do it. Um, We don't have to be in the same room, but we can if we want. I think we should. I think we should actually all do it and do a podcast while we're getting massage. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Go, let's go live. <laughs> yeah, they like that. They definitely like that. So Franny says to Casey that she should go first because she's looking tense. I, honestly, Casey should go get one cash in. So the KT pledges are all in a huddle and they agree that they're going to stick together. They break out of the huddle, they lock arms and they open the door and the actives are in the front yard, but they bust in through the backyard and Beaver grabs Rusty and fireman carries him away. There's much chaos happening in this scene and then it ends. We're back at the ZBZ house and Franny suggests a game of I never, which are you not allowed to say never have I ever? That's what I said. Is it copyrighted? Yeah, I guess so. They're playing never have I ever, but they're calling it I never. Rebecca is explaining the game to, again, that pledge that just showed up who says she's never played this before. Her name is either Glenda or Linda. Sure. Duh. I don't even remember they're mentioning her name, but I believe you. Rebecca says it in the very beginning, but she shows up so much. It's either Glenda or Linda. Just in this episode, I don't know. She showed up later. And she's like, what were you homeschooled? What you do when playing I Never is you say something you've never done and every sister who has done that has to step into the circle. And then her example is, um, I've never taken public transportation. <laughs> and then oh, Laura goes next and she calls out Ashley and she says, I've never run up $1,300 in three weeks on my credit card. So they're basically taking this as a personal attack. One pledge says, I've never had sex with Evan Chambers. Like, okay, relax. Also, I'm surprised only three people stepped into the circle. I think that was Glenda. Glenda. That would have been interesting if someone else stepped forward too. That like, like Laura. (laughs) Oh my God. She would. That would be hilarious. (laughs) Um, 
And then the, it gets so bad. So Franny says, this isn't even the worst part. Franny says, um, I've never served on ZBZ president without being officially elected. And then Casey says she's never been forced to resign. And then Franny says, I've never lost my virginity to Cappy and wrote a poem about it. She said, wrote some stupid poem about it. Yeah, that is treason. That is the meanest thing I've seen Franny do uh, in both seasons. No, that's easily the meanest thing she could have said. Like that was my jaw dropped. Especially knowing Cappy's ex is also there. And just like clearly that was something that Casey told to her in such confidence years before. And to think she like kept that and then weaponized it. It was really... It was scary. Like, yeah, that was the evil, the purest of evil we've ever seen, Franny. Yeah. And then Casey won't step into the circle and Franny goes to grab her to like physically grab her to pull her into the circle. (laughs) And Casey throws a glass of water at her. And just as she's doing that, Max walks in and he says he has Casey's cell phone because he fixed it. And Franny's dripping. (laughs) I love it. I mean, she deserved it. Also that feeling of like, you're being pushed over the edge and then someone like just keeps going. Like the fact that Franny then grabbed her, like Mm. she was like a cornered animal. Like she couldn't get away. I know. And everybody is staring at you. Oh my God. I could like feel that in my cheeks when I watched it, you know, like how you feel red. Well, the funny thing was, was I was going to, I was going to say like, I think like people were were like everybody was sharing that clip from euphoria this past season where the two girls are screaming at each other and it's like dude we've never seen a fight like this on tv or like this is the most epic thing and it's like well they're clearly um forgetting about this scene because this yeah. is like the original euphoria Casey and uh franny walked so Cassie could run. So Cassie and Maddie could run. Oh my gosh, I should make a TikTok um, with that caption. Yeah. Yeah. Um, With that sound. And Casey does say, don't ever touch me again. And Franny is holding on to her and says, or what? And or call the cops. You can't do that. Yeah, that's when Casey says, or this, and she throws the water. So she like gave her a warning. Like, I feel like Yes, violence is never the answer, but she I wouldn't call a water well, violence. I would say grabbing someone is violence. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Franny, I think, made the first move. And Casey, you know, I, there's only, I don't know. She was definitely cornered. Casey rushes into the kitchen. Max is on her heels. And she's saying, look, like, I, this is who I am. Like, you're seeing me at bad moments. But, like, this is who I am. I'm not, like, this great, like, your great girlfriend with all of these ambitions. And Max was, like, was the throwing the drink, like, a compulsive thing? And she says, no, it was totally optional. <laughs> Um, and she says, I can't pretend not even for a great guy. And Max says, you think I'm a great guy? I think you're a great girl. And it's sweet. And he's like, my like dead girlfriend wasn't so perfect. And then he goes on to like describe some imperfect things. And he's like, well, she smoked bags of weed. I'm like, okay, you're making her sound cooler. 
I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not a bad thing. Like, she just seems cool now. And now, so now she's edgy and yeah. like, really sweet. And chill as hell. Okay. <laughs> she's doing all of that high out of her mind. <laughs> she's joining the peak core, even though she smokes a lot of weed. Amazing. <laughs> like, uh, he does say that she had road rage. <laughs> oh, yeah. But so did Casey. Remember when she turned the car around? To yeah. Go? um rat rusty out for actually being in a frat yeah I guess Sarah and Casey do have something in common well he did say that she reminds him first so. <laughs> it was the road rage it was the road rage it's the road rage of it all um <laughs> I forgot about that car turnaround <laughs> with her parents in the car <laughs> so mad Oh, so good. That was a great episode. And he tells Casey that she's the first thing that has made him want to come out of his room since Sarah died. And it's like, oh, that's why you're always in your room. Because that man was always in his room. Yet none of the boxes were unpacked. Yeah. (laughs) Just sleeping on the floor. However, I will say he does say something that caught me off guard a little bit in this scene. And I get what he means. However, I don't know if I would have received it in the same way that Casey does. He says, I like you because you're alive. And what he means is she doesn't do, he's like, you don't do anything halfway. You're so passionate about everything, like all of this stuff. However, him saying that. Yeah. Especially given the context of this episode in the previous episode, it makes it seem like he likes her just because she's not dead. Right. When you first hear it before he like goes into all of the ways that she is just like very passionate and stuff. Yes. <laughs> Initially, I was like, I cannot believe he just said that to her. I could see without the follow up that could be. I, and I'm sure that I'm sure it was almost kind of a joke a little bit. Right. I think so. I just I don't know if I like it. I don't know. I I like what he says about her. Like, I think that's so true. Like she is very passionate and she does care so much. And like, she goes for what she, like everything he said was very true and very sweet after that. I just don't know if I like that specific, you know. Mm -hmm. Then he says, do you want to go like finish things with your sister? And she says, I'd rather finish our date and they kiss. And then it made me realize, oh my God, this is still that same night. Yeah. This has been the longest night ever. As the Shakespeare. Yeah, he probably just got out of the play because God knows they run long. So at the KT house, the actives are fully sitting on all of the pledges in the basement. Um, And then Cappy calls them off and dismisses the actives. And he tells the pledges that it took them way too long to decide to do that and rise up. They weren't supposed to put up with being a maid all day at that point in the pledge process. And he then invites all of them upstairs for drinks and to watch a back-to-back showing of Hard to Kill. And as the pledges are happily like filing out of the room, Wade is confused and he's like, Cappy, they were supposed to do that. We wanted them to do that. And Cappy is like, they just need to think that we wanted them to do that and now they have their guard down for hell week so I'm scared (laughs) and this is where we realize like the stakes literally were just tonight can we watch a movie (laughs) like hell week Thomas is um like initiation week that's what they call oh really 
before initiation? We used to call in high school, we used to call like the week leading up to um, like the show for theater, Hell Week. Yeah, I mean, it's a similar kind of like sentiment. You're just like miserable, but you're like, we have to push through so we can get to the other side. Yeah, they're just being hazed out of their minds. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what Hell Week is like. Yeah. So now we're, um, it's next day and Calvin walks into Michelle's office and he's getting off the phone with Princeton. And um, he is explaining that Evan's mom got him the call and Calvin's like, oh, wow, Evan's finally using his powers for good. And Michelle just like doesn't tell him the situation. Yeah, and Calvin does say like, you don't look like someone who just got an interview at Princeton. Like Michael looks visibly ill. Yeah, and Calvin is there because he's dropping off a bottle of the $400 wine. And he says, Evan bought a case because he liked it so much so he thought he would give you a bottle to thank him for introducing him to it. So he's just like, it's full on bribery now. Like it's it's murky water. Michelle is in pretty deep, like kind of knee deep in this swampy, murky chambers water. But would you guys do it? It's a pass fail. When he said it was pass fail, I was like, I think I, I think I would give him, I would approach him and be like, how do we get you to pass? Right. Right. Without just passing. Exactly. There's still time. The semester's still going. Like we're only, this is season, this is episode five. Right. And if the kid is getting if the kid is just doing pass fail, doesn't he just need like a D? Isn't or I guess yeah, a C minus. Yeah, I would think. Yeah, I think um, it would have. He would. I wonder like how bad he was failing. Like was he getting like a twenty percent or yeah, was it like it would depend. a sixty five? Because like I don't know though. I it would be really hard to give up that opportunity. But then again. I would never go to Princeton to like study French. Well, he's, he would be teaching. Oh, got it. <laughs> so it's a job. It's a job. Yeah, it's a job. Yeah. Oh my God. I, the grand I, scheme of things, I mean, one yeah. kid. That's I what I'm saying. One kid just to pass fail. You're not giving him an A. Yeah. And especially if he tried three times, I would maybe even, I would, yeah, I think kind of what Aaron said, I would try to position it in a way that's like, let's really try to get you to pass. Yeah. 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 Like maybe you try the tutoring again with the homework and just like make sure he's doing the homework right so that you can give, I don't know. Watch him do the homework. Uh, yeah. Right. I would try to skirt the lines of like, right and wrong like very (laughs) I think just for my own well exactly yeah yeah your own peace of mind right yeah I wouldn't feel because I do think that would like eat me alive if I got like I think I would feel like so riddled with guilt if I was sitting there I'm like oh but that one kid I pushed along so I'd want to feel like I did it in like the most appropriate way possible you could defend yourself too because you would never want the evan chambers of all people to know that information about you and like hold that over you yeah that's so true and you know that's the thing too is he's like kind of making a deal with the devil like you never know when evan's gonna ask more of you or something yeah yeah so it's i would I, i would want receipts i think i would really be emailing him a lot being like let's tutor let's sit down let's do this so if anybody came to be like you lied about this kid's grade I'd be like no I didn't 
I did all this. Let me show you all. Yeah. Like give him extra credit opportunity. Something that's more kosher than just like changing the grade to a pass. Right. Or give everybody extra credit opportunity. It sounds like he's a really hard teacher that it's not, no one's doing well there. I also didn't know you could option classes. I don't think I ever had this option to do like pass fail or a grade. You can only do it when it doesn't count towards your major and it's like a gen ed class. Like you can't do it for every class if you wanted it to count towards your degree. Yeah, your degree. Like you can do it if it's fulfilling something, I think, but not if it's fulfilling your major. My Italian class was pass fail. Yeah. I should have done that more. I never did it either. I only did it... It was only presented to me as an option when I was abroad because I was studying through a different school. So they're like the way that we do our GPAs different than how you do it at yours. So it's just going to be pass fail. Oh, interesting. I I had people when I went abroad choose to take theirs pass fail. It wasn't because of a credit thing. It was like they were like, oh, we're because it was a summer program. They're like, we're only here for six weeks or whatever. I'm just taking this pass fail. But it, it does do something to your GPA. It doesn't lower it, but it does something. I don't remember what it is. Now Ashley is on her first tour. She is killing it. She's making her the outfit look super cute, owning the CRU polo. And then she points out um under the tree, CRU's newest couple, her friend Casey and her new boyfriend, Max. And they're adorable. And Casey's waving and she's like telling Max to wave. And I love them. Yeah, they're cute. And everybody on the tour is taking pictures of them. Yeah. Yeah, like they're so excited. <laughs> so, so cute. cute. They're already officially boyfriend and girlfriend. I know that's what I was thinking but Max seems like the kind of guy who's like doesn't even know that dating around is an option <laughs> and Casey is like kind of like that too like Casey's definitely like a relationship person mm-hmm. so yeah okay um winner mine was Max for stepping up to the plate yeah I really liked Max in this episode too for yeah. some reason when you said Max my head went to Max Greenfield and I was like Michael and I was like oh no you met Max the character <laughs> yeah yeah Max was really good in this episode I'm trying we didn't really see a lot of other people like most of the people we saw really were behaving poorly maybe Ashley like I'm so happy that she has a job and she worked really hard to prepare and she actually seems really excited about it which is good mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good winner. Uh, she was just my winner last week for that reason. So I needed to. I know. It. Same. I'm like always like Ashley's my winner. I'm trying to think. It's kind of a hard week to pick. It really wasn't like a, a great showing. I'd say, yeah, probably Max or maybe, I don't know, maybe Rebecca. It was like an interesting episode for her. I'm like, okay, she seems like fully rebounded from uh, Cappy. She seems she like she's doing her. She's like back in her, her, I think she's back in her regular Rebecca spirits. And I liked that. Yeah. I don't like sad Rebecca. Mm-mm. I think we can all say at once who the loser is three, two, one. Michael. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say Franny. Oh, you no. said Franny. Oh, I didn't even hear you. Wow. Okay. No, Franny works. Franny works. Honestly, everybody works. I mean, Cappy is kind of a loser. Ru- I mean, Rusty. And dance moves. (laughs) Yeah. I was just thinking, Franny, that line was so unnecessarily mean. 
Yeah, that really was. Uh, yeah, oof, that was bad. That was really bad. I also, but I do love the return of the poodle. It's just so fun to watch her. Yeah. She delivers viciousness so well. Like that line was vicious. That's the only way I can describe it. That was startlingly mean. Yeah, it was. The Yeah, the actress who plays her is truly incredible. Like she is really good at, at mm-hmm. that character because it also yeah, feels very funny. effortless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whereas like Rebecca like is can be really mean, but you can tell it like kind of hurts her a little bit or like she's doing it out of a defense Rebecca also seems, I think for Rebecca too, it seems more innocent in some way. I think it's maybe, maybe just because she she reads younger, but I think Franny, because she does have more of like a mature air about her, it seems like someone who like is wise and older and like knows what they're doing. Franny and Evan are like cosplaying as like an adult, ma- like a married couple in their they first are. few years of marriage. Like <laughs> them at that restaurant with Michael and Calvin, I was like, what is this? Like, yeah. it feels like a dinner with your grandparents. Like they were giving Richard and Emily Gilmore. Like, I feel like I've known people who have gotten into relationships or something and like they, their entire, not like their entire personality changes, not in like necessarily a bad way, but like when they're with their partner, it's like they're cosplaying together as like being older and like more mature because like they're in a relationship now and it was it's giving that same energy of like oh well like will we do this together that was a fun one yeah thanks for joining us on this fun romp down down memory memory. xoxo